speaker presenter Lyle Southwell presenting the ancient codes of Bible prophecy in his live series called The Prophetic Code. You'll be amazed as he cracks the ancient codes of Bible prophecy in ways you have never heard before. Continuing on from our previous presentation called The Seal of God and the Mark of the Beast. So the question is, well, why do most people go to church on Sunday when the Bible says that Saturday is the Sabbath day? That's a very valid question. You see, the early disciples didn't go to church, did not worship on Sunday. They worshipped on Saturday. So you ask the question, well, how did the change come about and who made that change? Well, here comes the answer. The Catholic Church, for over 1,000 years before the existence of a Protestant, by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. Now, the other day, we read about the Antichrist. Isn't that so? And the Bible said that he would think to change times and laws. Here we have the Antichrist interfering with the law of God and interfering with that part of the law of God that deals with time. Isn't that so? And finally, once again, is not every Christian obliged to sanctify Sunday, to abstain on that day from unnecessary servile work? Is not the observance of this law among the most prominent of our sacred duties? But you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you will not find a single line here authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The Scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we, the Roman Catholic Church, never sanctify. Now, I find that interesting because the question that goes through my mind is this. What should I do? Should I do what God says to do or should I do what the Roman Catholic Church says to do? Now we ask, well, how did this come about? This came about as a result of paganism flooding into the Christian church so long ago. Even went as far as eventually changing the day of worship Of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change was her act. It could not have been otherwise, as none in those days would have dreamed of doing anything in matters spiritual and religious without her. And the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority in religious matters. And so we come to the high cost. What has it actually cost us forgetting the Sabbath? The first thing that we find is there is a lack of meaning in life. You see, if we just came from monkeys and monkeys just came from worms and worms just came from mud, there is no meaning to life, none whatsoever at all. There is no such thing as morality. does not exist if you just evolved from mud. Even when you die, all that is taking place is organic Chemical compounds are turning into inorganic chemical compounds. Just a chemical change is all it is. There's nothing wrong with it or right with it or otherwise. And so we have forgotten that we, were, we each one here are the personal creation of God. And we've forgotten that because we have forgotten the Sabbath that God established as a memorial of creation. So life has no meaning without that memorial of creation. This has created an identity crisis. You see, if life has no meaning, if you're not the individual creation of God, who are you? Let me tell you who you are. You are nobody. That's who you are without God. However, 
Let me tell you, friends, who I am. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. That's who you are. You don't have to worry about your identity, who you might be and who you might not be, because God says, you are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. And that is good news. Without without the Sabbath, reminding of us God as our creator, we're no one, which creates a loss of self-esteem. Now, I find it tragic that here in Australia today, we have a situation where the greatest pandemic we are facing is depression. One in three Australians suffer from depression. Now, let's think about this for a moment. If there is no meaning to life, and if you are nobody, then you are actually worthless, does that set you up to be depressed? Oh, yes, it does. Most assuredly, it does. It's no wonder we have such a problem with depression. At this, now, this is not the only reason for depression, don't get me wrong, but it is the largest, single largest contributing factor right there, I believe. Of course, that's given rise to evolutionists and skeptics and agnostics. People don't know where they came from, where they're going to, there's no meaning to life, etc. And so we turn to the Sabbath and we see that God established this as a memorial at creation. It was given to us at creation. One of very few things left in our world today that exist from before the time of sin. A foretaste of heaven, a small piece of paradise that God has given to us right now. And it is the most neglected aspect of the Bible in Christianity today. It was given at creation. It was reminded again, repeated at Mount Sinai. Then we find that it was kept by God's people down through history. Then we go to Jesus and what does Jesus say about it? It was kept by Jesus. In fact, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Luke. While we're turning there, let me ask you a question. Can you ever go wrong? following the example of Jesus. Can you go wrong doing that? No, you can't. You can go wrong following the example of a lot of people, but you will never go wrong following the example of Jesus. Page 416, Luke chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 16, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, as his habit was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. What was Jesus' habit Jesus' habit on the Sabbath day was to go to church. And so if that was Jesus' habit and he is my example, I've got to tell you, friends, I don't have any problem in following his example, in following his habit, his custom. Do you? Now, praise God. Well, it was kept by Jesus and then we find it was honoured by the disciples. It was honoured by the disciples because Jesus commanded them to do so as he commands us to do so right now in the end of time. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 and while we're turning there, let me ask you a question. What is Matthew chapter 24 all about? Matthew 24 is all about the end of the world. It is all about our day. Isn't that so? Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 24. He talks about some difficult times that will come in our world. He talks about times when we might have to flee for our lives. And he says something very specific to us, each one of us here, in Matthew 24 and verse 20. He says, But pray, 
that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So what does Jesus command us to be doing all the way down through to the end of time? He commands us to be keeping holy the Sabbath day. He tells us, pray that your flight is not in the winter, neither... Have you ever, have you ever prayed that prayer? You know, so few people today can actually pray this prayer because they don't actually believe in it. And yet Jesus commands us to pray this prayer. It was honoured by the disciples. Let's go over to the book of Acts and you'll find account after account after account all the way through the book of Acts. This is the only day of worship you'll find in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. We will just look at one example right here because this is a good one. Page 446, Acts 13 and verse 42. The Bible says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them when? The next Sabbath. And so here's what's taking place. They were preaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. We would expect them to do that because they were preaching to the Jews, right? And of course, the Jews get together on the Sabbath day to study because that's what Jewish people do. So Paul and the apostles, they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. However, the Jews don't like what they have to say, so they throw them out of the synagogue. And who is it? The Gentiles come and ask them, we want you to preach to us next Sabbath. Of course, this isn't going to take place in the synagogue, is it? No, absolutely not. Now, the question that goes through my mind is this. Why were the Gentiles asking the apostles to preach to them on the Sabbath day? You see, for the Gentiles, that was highly inconvenient. The Sabbath day for them was a day of work. If they're going to come and hear the apostles preach, they're going to have to take a day off work. Isn't that so? Which day was their day of worship? That's right. Diasolus, the venerable day of the sun, was when the pagans worshipped. But they don't come to us and say, they don't come to the apostles and say, can you preach to us on the day of the sun? They say, no, can you preach to us on the Sabbath day? Because they recognized that the Sabbath day was the day of worship for the Christian. It's the only day of worship you'll find in the book of Acts. Well, it gets better than this even again if we turn our Bibles over to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. And I want you to notice with me all the way down at the end of the passage. Isaiah is in the middle of your Bible. You'll find this on page 305. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 22 where it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. Notice what's taking place right here. This is speaking about heaven. This is speaking about the new earth. And what does the Bible say that we will do for the rest of eternity? The Bible says that for the rest of eternity, we will worship God on the Sabbath day. And so that raises a question in my mind. 
If the Sabbath was given at creation, if it was repeated at Sinai, if it was kept by God's people down through history, if it was kept by Jesus, if it was honored by the disciples, and it would be kept for eternity, would there be a period here? Would it make sense to put a little short period in here where God says, no, 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 I don't want you to keep the Sabbath anymore as a memorial of creation. I would rather you keep the day of the sun. the great competition for God. Does that make any sense? Of course it doesn't make any sense, and that's why you don't find it anywhere in the Bible. Now, at this particular point, I often get asked a number of questions, and so I'm going to try and answer a few of those questions as we work our way through. You see, some people ask me the question, and they say, well, isn't, isn't, you know, isn't Sabbath just a Jewish thing? And I understand why people say that because mostly today it's Jewish people that worship on the Sabbath and so most people just assume that that's a Jewish thing. However, I want you to notice the words of Jesus in the book of Mark. You'll find this on page 405. And here Jesus is having a discussion with the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders over how to keep the Sabbath. Now, the interesting thing in the Bible is in the Gospels that there is more discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Jews about how to keep the Sabbath than any other subject. Did you know that? And yet in all of that discussion where they talk about how to keep the Sabbath, you will never find any reference to the Sabbath being done away with. On the contrary, Jesus establishes the Sabbath and outlines how it should be kept. Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Jesus says this, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. I find two interesting points right here. First of all, The Bible says that the Sabbath was made for man. It is a special gift. It is a gift to remind us that we are the personal creation of God and that Jesus has died for us. It is not only a gift to remind us of those things, it is a circuit breaker. It is like a park. It is a piece of paradise in time. Where God comes to us, he says, I know that you're stressful. I know that you're under pressure. I'm going to give you a day off every week where you can come aside and you can forget everything that has been stressing you out of the week and you can spend a whole day worshipping me, spending time with friends and family, drawing close to one another and close to me, a day of worship. The second thing is the Bible says that the Sabbath was made for mankind, therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. So if you're wondering which day is the Lord's day, the Bible plainly tells you the Sabbath is the Lord's day. When the Bible says man in this particular passage here, it comes from the original word that means mankind or humanity. So in this statement here, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people. Does Jesus say the Sabbath was made for you, the Jewish people? No. Does he say the Sabbath was made for the Jews? No, he doesn't say that either. He says the Sabbath was made for humanity. Are Jewish people the only ones who need a rest? Are Jewish people the only ones who need a break? Are Jewish people the only ones who need a day of worship of God? Of course not. The Sabbath was made for every single one of us. Now, of course, many people ask me the question, well, you know, and as we read this the other night, Colossians chapter 2, We read this in question time, didn't we? 
Yes. And we also read it uh, last night when we talked about the law of God, where we found a law that was nailed to the cross. Isn't that so? Which law was that? Yeah, that's right. The ceremonial law that was nailed to the cross. Now, there's something interesting about this passage because in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, after I read this and people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just read that right there. Why are you even talking to us about this subject? In verse 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now we know immediately right here that this is not speaking about the Ten Commandments because if it was speaking about the Ten Commandments, it would be making the Bible to contradict itself. You see, Romans chapter 3 and verse 31, do we do away with the law of God through faith? God forbid, yes, we establish the law. So Romans 3.31 is establishing the law and Colossians 2.16 is getting rid of the law. The Bible is contradicting itself. Obviously, we're dealing with two different laws. However, the passage goes on and it says this, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. In verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. And so here the Bible plainly says, doesn't it? Don't let anyone judge you in relationship to Sabbath days. Doesn't that just nullify everything I've said so far? Let me share with you something that you might find interesting. In the Bible, there are two kinds of Sabbaths. And today, I've only been speaking about one of them. The one that I have been speaking about is what we call the seventh day Sabbath. It comes every seven days on Saturday. That's the day that Jesus worshipped on. As a result, it can fall on any date, isn't that so? Any date, but always on the same day. There is a different kind of Sabbath in the Bible. In fact, there are a list of them, seven of them in total. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Let me show it to you over here, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23. And you will find this on page 51. Leviticus chapter 23, and there's a whole list here, but we'll just read one of them just as an example. In verse 24, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. That's what the Bible speaks of here. This is a Sabbath. When does this Sabbath take part, take place? It's called the Feast of Trumpets. It takes place on what we would call, it's not actually, but what we would call the first day of the seventh month, which would be the 1st of July, isn't that so? And then you find, if you read on a few more verses, you find there was another Sabbath that came on the 10th. And you'll find a number of these different Sabbaths. The difference about these is that these ones fall on a date. Therefore, they can come on any day, isn't that so? The seventh day Sabbath falls on a day and can be on any date. The ceremonial Sabbaths fall on a date and can be on any day. So we have to ask ourselves the question when Paul says, let no one judge you in relationship to Sabbath days, which one is he referring to? The seventh day Sabbath 
or the ceremonial Sabbaths. If it is the seventh day Sabbath, then we're in trouble because he's just said the law has been nailed to the cross and he's contradicted himself. However, if this is the ceremonial Sabbaths, we have no problem. Those have all been nailed to the cross. Well, to answer that question, all we have to do is to read the passage that Paul is quoting from in the Old Testament. You'll find it in the book of Ezekiel. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel and you'll find this on Ezekiel chapter 45, page 763, verse 17. says this, And it shall be the prince's part, here it comes, to give burnt offerings and meat offerings and drink offerings in the feasts and the new moons in the Sabbaths and all the solemnities of the house of Israel. Notice when Paul quotes from the Old Testament, he's not quoting about the Ten Commandments, is he? He is quoting from this passage here, which is speaking about the ceremonial Sabbaths. And he says, yes, the ceremonial Sabbaths were nailed to the cross. Now, just to make sure that we have got this 100% right, let's look at the context, shall we? What kind of Sabbath is spoken of in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16? First of all, the Bible says it's changeable. Are the Ten Commandments changeable? No, the Bible says that they are eternal. It is against us. Is there anything in the Ten Commandments that is against us? Is it a bad thing to have a public holiday once a week? No, of course it isn't. That's a really good thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. However, it wouldn't be so much fun if you had to go and sacrifice an animal, would it? Yeah, that would be really against you. So it is changeable and it is against us. The Bible says it is associated with meat and drink offerings and feast days. The seventh day Sabbath was never associated with meat offerings or drink offerings or feast days or holy days. Then it goes on in verse 17, it says it is a shadow or a type of something. Is the seventh day Sabbath anywhere in the Bible referred to as a shadow? Absolutely not. Nowhere in the Bible do you find it referred to as a shadow. But what about those feast days? Oh yeah, absolutely. Many places the Bible refers to the feast days as being a shadow, a type of something that points us forward to what Jesus would do. Now which way does the seventh day Sabbath point? The exact opposite direction, isn't that so? It points us back to creation while the feast day Sabbaths point us forward to the cross. Now what happened to the feast day Sabbaths? What happened to all those feasts that were associated with the sacrifice of animals? The Bible says clearly they were nailed to the cross. They were done away with. And so yes, we should not be keeping the feast days, but we should be keeping the seventh day Sabbath. And of course, last of all, this one is on a date and not a day. That's one of the things that makes it different from the others. So, we ask ourselves the next big question. And the next big question really goes like this. And that is this. What difference does it all actually make? I mean, after all, aren't all days exactly the same as each other? Aren't they all alike? 
You know, the sun goes up, the sun comes down. Every day is exactly the same, right? They're all the same. Well, the answer to that is no. Not all days are the same. Let me ask you this question. Is God specific when he asks us to do something? Or is God just vague about things? No, God is specific, isn't he? You will never find any instance in the Bible where God is just vague. Now, let me give you an example of this. If you think back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. Adam and, Eve, and God comes to Adam and Eve and God says to them in the Garden of Eden, you can eat of all the fruit, of all the trees in the garden, except one. Doesn't really matter which one you choose. Is that what God said? Did God say, you know, you can worship on one day out of seven. Doesn't really matter which one you choose. Is that what God said? No, God said specifically, this one right here, this is the one that I want you to worship on. Now, let's remember this. Obedience is not what saves us, is it? No, obedience is a symptom of our salvation, of our relationship with God, of our love for God, because Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it was exactly the same in the Garden of Eden. God was very specific. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit of that tree, That piece of fruit in and of itself, was that piece of fruit toxic? Did it poison them? Was that the problem? No, of course it wasn't toxic. That's not why they died. The fruit in itself was not the issue. It was the act of disobedience that revealed where their heart was, that revealed their lack of salvation that caused them to be condemned. And it's exactly the same with the Sabbath. The days are all the same. The sun goes up, the sun comes down. Some days it rains, some days... There's no difference in the day. It's our obedience to what God says for no other reason than that God says it that reveals where our heart really is. And that's why the Sabbath commandment contains the seal of God Because unlike all the other commandments, the Sabbath commandment is a neutral one. Have you noticed that? You know, there's a very good reason why you shouldn't lie, why you shouldn't kill, why you shouldn't steal. But when it comes to the Sabbath, why is one day any different from another? That reveals where our true surrender lies. Are we going to say to God, look, I'm going to worship you uh, in the way that I feel to be convenient Or are we going to say to God, I'm going to worship you just exactly how you say, because you say it and for no other reason. You know, if we think back to the time of the Exodus before the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, God illustrated a point to his people and he he worked over 6,000 miracles to illustrate for us which day is the seventh day. He created manna to feed his people. This was food from heaven. It was on the ground. And six days a week, they would go and collect it. There would be twice as much on Friday and none on Saturday, the Sabbath day. If you tried to keep it overnight, it would breed worms and it would stink the next day. People tried to keep it overnight. It bred worms and it stunk. Then the Sabbath day comes, there's twice as much on the ground and God says, go and collect twice as much. It won't breed worms and it won't stink. Some people collected twice as much. Other people collected the same amount and they went out again the next day and guess what? There was none there. Is God specific? 
Yeah, we don't get to choose which day God makes holy. He gets to choose which day he makes holy. Now I know you've been all wondering what I've got up here at the front, right? You've all been wondering about this, haven't you? I thought we might do a little bit of cooking here this evening. Now, I've got seven glasses of water, right? They've all got, see that? They've all got water in them. And all seven of these glasses right here, they're all exactly the same, isn't it? So there's no difference between them. Seven glasses, exactly the same. But what if we do something slightly different? You see, the Bible says that God blessed the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, isn't that so? And so let's say that we take number seven right here and we're going to add a little bit of a blessing into this one right here. Does that change a little bit? Yes, indeed. Then the Bible says that God not only blessed it, but that he sanctified it. So let's add some sanctification into that right there, like that. That looks good. Then the Bible goes on, and the Bible says not only did he sanctify it, but that he made it holy. So we'll add a little bit of holiness now. All right. Now let me ask you a question. Are all these seven glasses still the same? Oh, yeah, they're all still the same. All of those glasses are still the same. All the days of the week are still the same. However, there is a difference with what is inside of this glass. Isn't that so? And that's the issue with the Sabbath. The day is the same. The difference is what with what God has placed inside of that day. You see, God has placed a blessing inside the day that you don't find anywhere else. He has not placed a blessing anywhere else. You can't keep a day holy that God hasn't made holy. Isn't that so? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so let me bring a challenge to you all, a challenge that was actually made down a long time ago. And I find it interesting that it was made so long ago. And yet I'm able to repeat it for you all here this evening. This challenge was made in the year 1893 when a Roman Catholic priest gave a lecture. And he said, There is but one church on the face of the earth which has the power or claims the power to make laws binding on the conscience, binding before God, binding under penalty of hellfire. For instance... The institution of Sunday. What right has any other church to keep this day? You answer by virtue of the third commandment. The papacy changed the fourth commandment and called it the third, which says, remember that you keep holy the Sabbath day, but Sunday is not the Sabbath. Any schoolboy knows that Sunday is the first day of the week. I have repeatedly offered $1,000 to anyone who will prove by the Bible alone that Sunday is the day we are bound to keep and no one has called for the money. It was the Holy Catholic Church that changed the day of rest from Saturday the seventh day to Sunday the first day of the week. That, that challenge was laid down in 1893. And so here's what I'm going to do this evening. I am going to repeat the same challenge to you. So here's some easy money for you. I'll repeat it to you with inflation. How about that? If you can find me any verse in the Bible that says that we should keep Sunday holy. And here's what else I'll do. On Tuesday night, I'll read to you 
every passage in the Bible that mentions the first day of the week. How about that? All nine of them. You see, Sunday is found nowhere in Scripture. And I'll share this illustration with you to demonstrate what is actually taking place. What is the issue? What is the importance in relationship to the Sabbath? And it works a little bit like this. There was a man who bought a piece of property. It was just a bare piece of property with bush on it. This was a long time ago. And he had plans drawn up for this particular piece of property. And as these plans were drawn up, he put on the plans, he put where the paddocks would go, where the fences would go, where the road would go, where the shed would go, where the house would go, and where the orchard would go. Along with those plans, he put there the location of the well beside the shed. Then he came to his son and he said, look, I'm travelling overseas. I'm going to be on the other side of the world for a whole year. Here are the plans. Here is the property. And here is the money. Go and put it all together according to the plans. And so the son got busy. He cleared the land, put in the fences, put in the road, put in the orchard, built the shed, built the house. And then he came to the well. And when he came to the well, he was thinking to himself and he said, well, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the well to be by the shed. It needs to be by the house. It'd be so much more convenient if it's by the house. So he moves it over to the house. His father comes back a year later. His father is so excited. You can imagine. And he's going over his property and the fence, the fence is in the right place, the paddocks are in the right place, the road is in the right place, the orchard is in the right place, the shed is in the right place, the house is in the right place, all as he had done. And as he's looking over it all, he sees suddenly the well. The well is by the house. And like, well, why did you move the well over by the house? And his son says, well, you know, it just, it made more sense to me then we put the well over here by the house because that way you know, people, you know, when they're cooking and that kind of stuff, they can get ready access to the water. And the father turned to the son and he said, you have not obeyed me in anything. You see, the son had moved the position of the well because to the son, it was more convenient to have it somewhere else. Now, if you apply that same principle to the rest of the plans, the only reason that the rest of the plans were followed by the son was because they made sense and they were convenient for the son. And so he had not obeyed his father and it's exactly the same with the Sabbath. If we come to God and say, look, we will worship you at our convenience. Is that true worship? Of course it isn't true worship. You know, friends, Jesus says two things. First of all, he says this. In relationship to the teachings of men, and particularly those teachings that oppose the commandments of God, he said, in vain, they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. If we follow the path of the Son, and we worship God according to our convenience, the Bible says, Jesus says, our worship is in vain. 
On the other hand, Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the Sabbath is a demonstration of our unquestioning love to God. It shows where our heart is. Suppose you and I stand before the judgment bar of God and God turns to me and asks, why did you keep the Sabbath? You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, well, you know, you kept it. You gave me an example. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, great men of the past, they all kept it. Moses established it long before Sinai. You carved it in stone yourself with your own finger. The only portion of Scripture personally written by God. As a perpetual reminder, faithful people of your chosen nation have kept it down through history. Even in Babylon and after Babylon, the captivity, it was kept. When you arrived here on this earth, you set me an example of keeping the Sabbath. I'm following that example. Your disciples kept it and you commanded them to do so until the end of time. You said it would be kept for eternity when I arrived here. And so I am here now to continue keeping the Sabbath. But let's say that you chose to keep Sunday. And Jesus then turned to you and said, and why did you keep Sunday? Who in the Bible will you turn to as your example for worshipping God on Sunday? You see, friends, Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I know that this is probably something very, few, very new for many of you here this evening. Probably something you've never put a whole lot of thought into before. But my question to you is this. How many of you here this evening love Jesus enough to do what he says just because he says it? Do you love Jesus that much? Oh, well, praise God, friends. It's wonderful to be able to serve such a loving God. Isn't that so? Let's bow our heads as we close with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to be able to serve you. We thank you for giving us the Sabbath day, a day of rest, a circuit breaker in the week, a time when we can come aside from the pressures and the stresses of the world and remember that we are your own personal individual creation. And so, Father, we pray that you'll bless us now with your presence. Keep us close to you and bring us back again on Tuesday night as we take up the second part of this series, The Seal of God and the Mark of the Beast. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Malvinas Penlin sang The Savior is Waiting, and before that we heard Jamie George play Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
Reggie and Lady Love Smith sang, Oh How I Love Jesus. And before that, we heard Marsha Williams sing, Lamb of God. <laughs> 